If today was the last day of your life, are you happy what you're doing? This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of nine to five. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S T A U N C H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hello, welcome to the Focus Group, everybody. It's January 15th. If you work for yourselves like we do, get your taxes in. Aren't they due today? No, 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 no. January 15th, government, federal taxes. 15th, January. You can, you can tell that in our outfit, hi, I'm John. <laughs> that I'm January 15th, taxes due. March 15th is for... January uh, 15th. Oh, oh, for estimated tax payments. Yes. Oh, yeah, work yeah, 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 yeah. Either you pay them at the end of the year or you pay them by well, you're federal. Yeah. You pay the local early. Only if you're going to get the tax break. You you do because do, of you the don't do that? Oh, no need to anymore because they kept, they kneecapped us. Well, then why am I dishing all this money? Welcome to the focus group. <laughs> I'm dishing all that money out. This is Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John Nash. I've got to do all the setup. Yes, Be you sure do. Join us here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East. And thanks to all of you that watch our podcast, TFG Unbuttoned, or listen to our podcast. DFG Unbuttoned. You can find Unbuttoned and the Focus Group at focusgroupradio.com and our social media is all branded Focus Group Radio. Okay, now we can talk about now, this. Now, so you know, quarterly you know. estimated payments. If you live in a state like California, New York, or any of the states that have high state and local right. taxes, you used to be able to deduct all your state and local taxes until the new tax law came along and they cap it at 10000 bucks. And most people can no longer deduct all their state and local. So there's no point in paying your state and local in New York, well, until why did, Jack, why did Jack have the thing? For oh, because that's his. Jack told me I'd do it. Well, because you little, my little guidance letter. You, you benefit from it. You, you'll benefit. What from I benefit it. from because Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania doesn't have the. Uh, you don't have crazy taxes like we do. Crazy high. I do. I will say that, based upon the taxes I have to pay here in New York, I think I'm. I'll never pay tax again in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. You're. You're. You get what are the so credits or something? We should move the show. <laughs> well, I'd be up for that. To where? Delaware. But I, I, well, Delaware, no. Just one more train stop. I thought you were going to suggest a remote location that was Caribbean in nature or perhaps oh, you could do that. <laughs> take the I'm boys in the booth with still, us. I'm just wondering if you still have to do New York. We had to at Sirius XM because that's where the studio was. Mm. Well, we still have to do that because that's, you know, we're in New York right now. So, so it's something called the nexus of taxation. But if you were in PA, would it be less money? Yeah. You might want to look at that. We have to take the boys in the booth with us, though. Well, the boys, in the, the boys in the booth. You know, listen. Over, over. We under, We did some research, and I. We have a younger demographic that's watching, and someone said it's because of the boys in the booth. You're that's welcome. anecdotal, huh? You're welcome. <laughs> You're the, welcome. Did, did Garrett get the anecdotal part? It's an, You think it's anecdotal? <laughs> well, I. Th well, I, I asked a couple of people. I said we we used to have a large audience, which a, a significant audience of. 45 to 54, and it's changed now 24 to 35. And so I said, well, what, what do you think the change is? And, the, and a couple of people said they think it's the boys in the booth. <laughs> well, I've often said that people have commented to me like, what are the boys in the booth like? I'm like, they're great. How about me? <laughs> oh, darn it. You know what? I forgot to, and I, I keep meaning to do it. I found that onesie thing for Garrett to wear, maybe in the spring, because it will be a little cold. Perfect. 
You did find the step-in. International mail step-in. The step-in. Was it still in the package? Yeah. I got one that's open, the blue one, and I have a red one that's still in the package, which I can give to Garrett. He can do the red one. He's turning red. You're going to come on camera and and model that for us, Garrett. All right. And maybe we'll raise money for something. (laughs) Step-in. We'll raise money for the... I have two of them. Steve, would you do it, too? Yeah, it's not even a question. Of course I would. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. then that, I'll bring them both. Something ridiculous and stupid, it's all I do. <laughs> it's going to be a step-in sure. party. Step-in party. The, the one's only been tried on once, but I'll make sure it's clean. So what Tim's referring to, in case you uh, did, missed a couple episodes, is we profiled this uh, film company that wants to make a movie about the International Mail catalog, yeah. famous catalog from the 80s and into the early 90s, I guess. And Tim had ordered something called a step-in, step which is like a onesie kind of thing, right? It looked great on the models. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was nice, tight, and clingy, and and really was always something. They always we'll see. Do. And I just so and I was cleaning up and putting away holiday stuff and doing all my kind of purge, and and I came across these, and I said, I keep. So you have to remind me. You have to send me a note to remind me to bring them. The step, the step-in. Maybe I'll... Valentine's Day. Maybe the Valentine's Day show. That'll be a good one to do. The step-in. We'll do the step-in. And that way we can promote it. So um, <laughs> I just made a note of it. Step-in from step I in. am. International mail does not mean instant message. <laughs> you watched. Have you uh, gotten a chance to watch all of The Crown season three? I saw so tell you how far I am. I'm as far as. So you're taking it. The king died. Oh, I don't want to let anything away. <laughs> The, uh, you mean the give anything, uh, again, give anything away. Eric Jacobi as um, Duke of Windsor. Yeah. So that was called the Hanging Man. That episode. So That's where she goes to France to see him, and he's right. very ill. Yeah. I there's a complimentary podcast that Netflix produces called The Crown, and it's actually hosted by I think it's a Scottish woman. And so when she says, "Welcome to the Crown Podcast," like there's these you know, but they talk to the directors and the writers. And the reason I brought this up is. Knowing how much they research this blows you away. So I was wondering if a lot of this did happen. Was the, the, the whole issue with the coal thing was real? With Wallace Simpson giving giving Charles that watch and apparently that's true. And, that's true. Apparently, it makes it sound like he was very much in love with Camilla from the beginning. And and uh, oh, you mean in in yeah. Prince Charles, as yeah, opposed Prince Charles. to the. So the, I, who's the actor? And I don't know where I've seen him before. And I looked him up. Um, James, is something dance, the guy who plays uh, Lord Mountbatten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where would I have seen him from? Okay, recently? well he was last in Game of Thrones. He played uh, Tyrion Lannister, uh, or or the head of the Lannister family. Um, he's been in a lot of. There's something I've seen him on, but he has a very distinguished. Oh, and he looks yeah. super distinguished as yeah, well. And I don't remember where I saw him on something else. I don't remember where it was from. But that was a good episode as well. That's the one where there's the coup. Yes. Where she's off in America looking at all the horse farms and horse methodologies of training. And meanwhile, he's listening to people saying, we need to get rid of this Harold Wilson guy. And the guy that plays Harold Wilson, the, the prime minister, they interviewed him on this podcast. He sounds completely different. His normal speaking voice is like a, a London accent. Right. But he studied video of Harold Wilson and he created the... The, the, the whole, yeah. <laughs> one I thought was a little creepy. I thought Phillips, in one of the episodes, his fascination with the astronauts. Oh, I love that's called Moon Dust. I love I that episode. I figured yeah. you would have liked that one. Well, that was the one that really, uh, I've said this word before, uh, verisimilitude, where art imitates life, or life imitates art, I'm sorry. And 
watching The Crown, it's like they're all in their early 50s at this point. So it's legacy. What have I done? What am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And I love that episode because the astro- he asked the astronauts, he wants to know these profound questions of like, what was it like to go to the moon? And they really just were following. I don't know. Checklist. Look out the window. Yeah, we didn't have time to do anything. We had to do this, this, and this. And then at the end of it all, they're like, well, what's it like to have a castle? You and, live how, here. and how many palaces do you have? And, Bagpiper wake you up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the camera's pulling into him very slowly. And, you, and the reason they do that is it's sinking into him that they have their role and he has his role. And just because one went to the moon and one's in Buckingham Palace, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having the royal gig. I've been reading about it. I think it's pretty, pretty good. I've been, yeah, I'm sure you have. I wouldn't mind the royal gig. Listen, if you were Harry or one of those, you want, you want second. You want number two. Oh, you want to. You get all the benefit without the aggravation. You, want you don't to... have to go open so many hospitals or cement well, factories well, or right. whatever. Uh, Anne, Princess Anne, yeah. right? Ideal. So she's so far down the line of succession that a major calamity would have to happen. That's the life you want. You want she to be. She gets the... the dole and the cars and the cast and the carriage. And the title. You don't have to go to all that nonsense. Get, get yes. The title, darling, the title. I was trying to figure out if my family was royal where I'd fit in. We'd be way down on the on the totem pole though, because of the because my mom was a, a, a daughter as a daughter as a daughter. So, mm. uh, you know, it's not the. If yeah. I went through the Wilmot clan, I'd be we, we'd be some cousin, some obscure cousin hanging out, but I'd be fine with that. And if it's were back in cottage. medieval or Renaissance times, you could use that that position to somehow get to court. <laughs> Hey, I'm just going to mention one other thing. I ended up watching a movie that I missed in the theaters. We talked about it on our Deep Discount segment last year, towards the end of the year. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt uh, starred in a movie called Ad Astra. It's Latin for To the Stars. Well, I had seen it, read about it. You know, I was supposed to, I wanted to see it in IMAX. I never made it. Someone said the only way to see the movie is in IMAX. Anyway, I, I downloaded the film. Uh, Bob and I watched it. This movie starts, I said, if we don't like it, we're not going to finish it. It's, it's near future, and it takes place on the moon, Mars, and out towards Neptune. The movie actually, we loved it. The movie ended, and Bob's like, wow. He goes, I'm, he goes A, I was not expecting it to be this good. And, he goes, and then he goes, B, he goes, boy, Brad Pitt's aged very well. He's quite handsome. <laughs> Is that your new pass card? I, Justin Timberlake. I just said it, Bob. Do you add Brad Pitt to your pass card thing? What was the one where they went and they were growing potatoes at the in Mars? Who was that? That one? was called Mars. That was uh, Matt Damon. Damon. That's plays an astronaut stranded. So is this better? Is this one better than the? the I Matt think Damon so. Movie? I think so. Um, I didn't mind the movie. Where was he going to the moon for? To find his father or something? He has to go there first because he's taking a rocket from there out to Mars. Who put a rocket on the moon? Well, no, this takes, so this Ad Astra takes place. So there's an indus- industry on the moon? Yeah. In fact, there's a really funny scene where he lands on the moon and he's going through this terminal and there's a DHL, there's a Starbucks. And, and the voiceover is, he, the voiceover is like, you know. Would you move to the moon? Well. You can't breathe up there. Don't you have to be in a suit? We, they're underground. They have a, it's a, it's all, yeah. You, you'll have to, I, if you ever want to, for you, it might be like pulling teeth or having your eye, like clockwork orange where your eyes are going to be open permanently for the whole movie. <laughs> Enough of that. All right. I'll be dead. I'm worried about global warming, climate change. There you you're go. To, you're, you're, you're getting a, the big thing. You got a latte on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> And then mailing something from DHL. Which I will say, why are the Chinese going to the moon? The Chinese and the Indians want to go to the dark side of the moon. With Pink Floyd, I guess. (laughs) 
So, well, it's, it's not been explored that well. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not sure that the dirt over on the dark side, you know, Tim. China. Sent a little car up to the moon. No, sent a little car, a rover to Mars to find out that dirt was, was dirt. dirt. Had a little robot car. <laughs> Brought back some dirt. Well, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. If this headline does not tell you exactly why it caught my eye, then nothing else will. And the headline reads, what did we get stuck in our rectums last year? What? America continues to lead and to innovate. <laughs> Apparently, the author of this piece looked at uh, CDC uh, records and also records from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Area and apparently emergency rooms report things like patient comes in with this, patient comes in with that. And and so he went through ear, how's it go? Ear, nose, throat, uh, penis, vagina, rectum. These are all the things. So I picked, yeah. <laughs> Putting things in their penis? Oh, you're going to. I don't want to hear that. So we Americans as a people are extremely good at shoving things inside ourselves. We are slightly less good at getting them back out without the aid of trained medical personnel. Uh, one thing this guy learned, it's dangerous to be horny. It's very dangerous to be horny. The sheer number of sex toys removed in emergency rooms is too high to include on the list. Too high. The number, the number it, it skews the data. Skews the data. The number is too high. Second is that men are far, far stupider than women when it comes to estimating what will fit and what will be retrievable. And then it says in parentheses, this is obvious, but it's nice to have the data to back it up. And that's a man who wrote this. So let's start with the ear. There's, there's lit, long lists Why of everything. Why put something in your ear? Well, I'm going to read a couple to you. Here's one. Quotes. Patient says she had wax in ear and attempted to remove with tweezers and piece of string. I'm not even going to go there. Here's one. Here's one. An emergency room doctor pulled a zip tie out of someone's ear. You know that toy slime that kid yeah. you give slime has been pulled out of someone's ear? And my favorite, a plastic spider. Like a little toy spider. <laughs> yeah. I could see the slime. Maybe somebody put it in thinking oh, and pull it out and pull the wax out. One last one. Here's what's gonna make you cringe. Placed thermometer in ear, fell on bed. <laughs> so that means the thermometer punctured the eardrum. Yeah, okay. I probably can't hear. All right, now we're going to move on to what if people put up their noses. Oh, John. Here's one. Let's get to the rectum. Bug tried to remove with bobby pin. Bobby pin now stuck. <laughs> Who even thinks of this, right? Here's my favorite thing stuck in someone's nose, a googly eye. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And here's one, a mothball. Someone got a mothball moth stuck in their nose. Now we're going to move on to the throat. By the way, the throat list is like, it's, it's huge. So I only picked like four. A laser pointer, to your point. Got down the throat. Tropical breeze detergent pod. <laughs> it got lodged in someone's throat. Here's one for you, though. Some guy swallowed a capsule that expanded into a foam dinosaur. You know how you give oh, kids yeah. those little things, they put it in a tray of water and it below. blows up? Yeah. So that went down someone's throat. A glass Christmas tree light. Oh, tan and balmy. Like maybe you could see something glowing from inside. And my favorite, a drill bit. How do you swallow? How do you even get in your mouth a drill bit? Wow. All right. Now we're going to the penis. Oh, see, I don't even want to hear this. First one on the list, 
crayons. Oh, a crayon. Here's the next one. You're, you're gonna love the next one. A chopstick. <laughs> who decides to put? Who even thinks of this, right? A lolly. There was soy sauce on it. Lollipop stick. And the last one, let's go back to bobby pin and get the reason why. Unable to achieve erection and thought it would help. <laughs> it was like a stent. How did the, I don't know. Now we're going to move on to the vagina. Oh my God. Toothbrush, a perfume bottle. I, I actually thought the perfume bottle, you know, a nice scent, right? Cylindrical. Here's my favorite. Could you imagine what, I, and I'd like to know what the figure was, a toy action figure. It could be hilarious, right? So you're in the emergency room and he pulls out Darth Vader or G.I. Joe. I mean, I don't know who, but Maybe there's some... Maybe uh, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> oh or, God, is that Buzz Lightyear? Or Woody, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, is that for real? Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's up an ass, though, not a vagina. I might have jumped the gun. How about a Buzz Lightyear with the wings at, extended, right? Got an X-ray of Buzz Lightyear and some inside somebody. And then here's one for vagina: jumped off couch, landed on spoon. Well, that's a lie. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> now we're gonna go to the rectum, which is what Tim. The, Tim's been waiting for the rectum. All right. Quotes: Patient states he slipped in the shower and landed on a metal air freshener can, and it went into the rectum. <laughs> A metal air freshener can. I Woo! slipped in the tub. A turkey baster. A cigarette lighter. Uh, a toy hockey stick. Ooh, a water gun. Water gun. Now, this made sense to me. We hear that on the news all the time. A bag of heroin, because people smuggle right. that way, right? An egg timer. A shampoo bottle. Um, a light bulb. Yeah, light bulbs are big. Light bulb. That's which is dangerous. And they're glass. Yes. You know, hello. That's big. And then uh, a can of applesauce. Just to round it out, I thought I'll just throw the can of applesauce. Okay. I my friend Chris worked in the emergency room. He was a med student, and he had said Chris Crenshaw. Oh, yeah. He had said that they were, and he was in, and and I think it was Temple Hospital, and he said that they could not. Sometimes people would come in. You would. Because the stories he said were so oh. outrageous, and, and I, I'm like, how do you not laugh? He said his favorite one was this guy had like one of those trophies, like a, a runner with the, the arms up and a, a, a trophy. Kid Where was it at? It was in his in his butt, and so the trophy, and you know, it had the arms and the hands, you know, that how you would stand these <sighs> these metal trophies. Yeah. And so they asked the guy how it got in there. He said he was dusting in the library and he slipped <laughs> off the, the ladder. <laughs> and Chris is like, I guess we all walk around with. With a whole jar of lube on our ass. I in was order for the, he said, in order for this trophy to just slip in okay. while I was dusting. Let's let's dissect that. I was dusting, dusting in, in the, the library, library on my ladder, which means you have a library big enough to roll a ladder, <laughs> ladder around the room. And trophies lying around. And I slipped off the ladder, and lo and behold, the runner's trophy went right up my rectum, through my pants. Unless he was dusting in the nude, right? Chris said he probably had a half a, a gallon of Vaseline on his ass. <laughs> I laughed. I, but, yeah, he said the stuff that people would come in with like that. So what a great, uh, okay, so that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could not be a doctor, I don't think, with those sort of oh, things. I, I guess if you're in the emergency room, I don't, I don't even know how they keep a straight face. Yeah, right? Especially said. if that happened. All right, so that's, so I thought you might get a kick out of that. Although I don't, under, well, I don't understand it. Particularly putting stuff in the, the penis. 
Yeah. I know some people do that as a fetish thing. Sounding, I think they call it. Uh, no, I look from a medical perspective, you know, like if anybody's ever had to have a catheter or something for a medical thing, just even the thought of that. And that's a very, you know, yeah. Yeah. I guess mine is in that. I don't know if these are related or not, but my headline is, and this came from out of the UK, new angled toilet designed to reduce time workers spend in the bathroom. An angled toilet. An angled toilet. So now you put up on the screen a picture here. Right. So there's a new toilet. It it uh, it uh, is at a 13 degree angle. They they've decided 13 degree was optimal. So if now, you, now for so you, if you're listening at home, toilet, it's angled down yeah. towards the front, right? Right. So it says the standard toilet, which comes in a wall-mounted and floor-mounted model, is receiving backing from the British Toilet Association, the BTA. I don't know there we was such start, a thing. We, we need, really need to start a trade group. I mean, like, well, this is a nonprofit group for the, the BTA. It was established in 99. It promotes the highest possible standards of hygiene and provisions in all away-from-home toilet facilities across the UK. So there's apparently an issue in the UK of people spending time on the toilet at work. So they Enough of an issue that has been reported. They've con- yes, they've contacted the BTA and they were trying to figure out how to get people off the toilet. Wait, 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 wait. So they, you're at work, you go to the bathroom. bathroom and you're there too long. You bring a book, you bring the newspaper, whatever people do on the so toilet. I'll jump ahead. Okay. Because I found this. But they, this they felt statistic. they had to call the BT. Well, I found this statistic odd. What do you think? The, the, they did a survey of 3,500 people in the UK in different cities. The average time spent on a toilet break in London. How long do you think the average toilet break was in London? Uh, Going into the bathroom. Eight minutes? If it's, if it's sitting 28 down. 28 minutes. 28? Wow. In that's... London, it was 14 minutes. In Leeds, it was four minutes. What's going on in Leeds that no one wants to stay on the bowl that long? There must be something. Well, I'm sorry. It was 28 minutes in London, 14 minutes in Leeds, four minutes in Birmingham. Either way, what are you doing on the toilet that long? And they said. In four minutes in Birmingham, that's a hop in town. I, I have to go to the bathroom. No, stop. Don't stop the party. I'll be back. <laughs> the average UK adult spends about 416 days of their life on the toilet. Uh, read, that, read, read that again? They. The study commissioned by the BTA found um, that UK adults will spend approximately 416 days of their life on the toilet, in the bathroom. <laughs> All right. So, my God, the math is astounding. They took the daily, let's say you go to the bathroom twice so a day. So what they found out is at work, people were going to the bathroom. So they contacted, Standard Toilet worked with the BTA and some engineer called Mahabir Gill. And they designed a slope at a downwards angle of 13 degrees so that a person sitting on the toilet has to use their leg muscles to sit firmly in place, otherwise they're going to fall off the toilet. So here I thought this was more like the squatty potty. No, that's what I thought. It was just helping you go faster, but no, this is literally like an ejector seat. They said traditional toilets with our horizontal seating enables a user to sit relatively comfortably for long periods of time. Of course, the longer you sit on this toilet, though, the more uncomfortable you're going to be with this slope toilet. They also say that the slope toilet helps because it's going to reduce risk of hemorrhoids. Hmm. Anyone who sits there with your ass cheeks spread reading, you're going to get hemorrhoids. <laughs> you know that, don't you? I have been told reading. this. I have so not experienced it. It's estimated in the United but... Kingdom alone that extended employee breaks cost business and industry an estimated $6 billion U.S., too much time on the toilet. All right, so now I can see why you might alert the BTA, the British Toilet Authority or Association. Was it a British? Probably an authority. BTA. The, yeah. Of course, uh, Andy McGinnis, 
who's the manager of the Crohn's and Colitis UK Association, says that the sloping toilet is toilet shaming and adds that there's a huge stigma that surrounds defecating. Making having a poo more uncomfortable targets people living with conditions like Crohn's who may need additional time to use the toilet. This is discrimination, plain and simple. So he's fighting against the sloped toilet. Meanwhile, standard toilet's trying to bring it to the US. All right. By the way, that last point you made is actually true about people with Crohn's colitis. They do have different needs. Right, but I don't think they're sitting on the toilet for 28 minutes. No, but sometimes they have to be. Oh, you get in and out, in and out, in and out. I get that. But, but some... how often you sitting on, you don't sit on the toilet for 28 minutes. Have you ever sat in the toilet for 28 minutes? No. I, I've, but to be honest and to be fair, I've sat on the toilet for like 15 minutes. You guys sit on the toilet? Yeah, I mean, I read or something, I lose track of time. It's you kind of. have hemorrhoids. I don't. <laughs> There's more to hemorrhoids than just sitting on the toilet. You by sit the on way. a toilet, you're spreading. Yeah, but and also, create hemorrhoids. Doctor Tim is in the house, right? If you if you, you sit on that toilet, there's more to a hemorrhoid than just sitting on the what toilet. What else is there? I think sitting on the toilet creates hemorrhoids. It's straining, straining to to get a, a movement out is a primary cause of hemorrhoids. Uh, if you're prone to that already, then yes, you don't want that muscle relaxed um, for as long as you're on the toilet for. I'll say, I will say these first two shows this year have gone off to really <laughs> Actually, I was really thrilled when I, I, I think these are right on the money. These are, these are fun facts to start the year off, right? I've never read in the bathroom and I never understood it. We weren't allowed to read in the bathroom, my house. No reading in the bathroom. Oh, Did so. Did you read in the bathroom at your house? Well, yeah, we had a magazine rack right by the toilet. Did you guys grow up reading in the toilets? Did you have magazine oh, rack yeah. in the... Reader's Digest. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up playing Game Boy on the toilet. <laughs> Robbie Bobby. Game Boy as well. What's Game Boy? What's Game Boy? Game, Game Boy. <laughs> oh, Game Boy. I, I grew Game up playing Boy. with Game Boys nice, on the toilet. But I tell you, that Game Boy, we found our Game Boy the other day. You and had a Game Boy? We, and we still do. And, and Bob plugged the Tetris cartridge in, put the batteries in. Oh, my God. I was in heaven. I thought, it's a single-use device. I'm going to play one game. It's in black and white or yellow and gray. You know how the screen was. Anyway. Yeah, I'll, I, I'm with these guys. I don't, my reading material is not. We only not, had one bathroom in our house. You got to cycle through. So we had to keep it moving. <laughs> what was the Bennett household constantly my, having bowel movements? I could see my mother getting a sloped toilet. <laughs> Well, it sounds like nobody ever finished, so they're always going back to finish what they started. They're going so quick. And with the slope toilet in particular, you're, that's going to cause trouble. I just don't understand people. Now people on their phones a lot. It happens here at the studio, at the bathroom here. You guys have probably heard people on the phone in the bathroom. Talking. Yeah, I yeah. purposely make noises. I flush the toilet. I make all kinds of noise so somebody knows. And then you hear, I'm in the bathroom. Okay, so... For some stupid reason, I'm thinking of the movie Austin Powers, the first one. Uh, and he's in a stall and he's getting right. choked. <laughs> and next to him is, I want to, who's the uh, comedic actor that was next to him with a Western accent and a cowboy hat? You fight that turd. You fight. Don't let that turd control you. Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. That's it. And, and, <laughs> and he's being choked and he's making all these noises, but the guy's totally misinterpreting it. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. You know, um, what was the movie that we watched? Oh, we watched Grease over the... Uh, that's another one that popped up on, on the... Grease? Yeah, I, I, I love Grease, but not... I do, too. I would see... I do, too. To watch through. But here's what, it, what captivated me about the movie. Could they make it today? I think the answer is no. Grease? When you, when you study the lyrics... 
Oh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, exactly. And when, when, you know, Stockard Channing, one of the, the pink, the pink girls, right? When she made that movie, she was like 34, 35, and she's playing a 16-year-old girl, but you just accept it, right? We laughed about that. The one you should watch, which I don't think you can get away with, is uh, Animal House. Oh, 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 yeah. That one's, yeah. Although I do, I still laugh at it. Oh, and here's another good recommendation. If you happen to have the Criterion, um, we got a deep discount. I ordered Criterion's Silence of the Lambs. I put it in, and I thought Bob was going to—it's one of Bob's favorite movies, one of my favorites. And I thought, we're going to watch this pristine. The print looks beautiful. It's, it's, in, it's a really good print of the movie. Sound is great. And like two minutes in, Bob goes, oh, turn on the audio commentary. So it has this commentary track. Amazing. Because Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan, all the people that are involved, directors and actors— comment as the movie goes along and you've probably done this is watch the comment thing as well in the case of silence of the lambs especially anthony hopkins there are some brilliant things he says and about how he prepared to be dr hannibal lecter the whole bit anyway it's like an np it's like npr over there at the nash barnes household <laughs> all right so we're, we're gonna class it up with the business birthday everyone does celebrity birthday greetings but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays i struggled to find a birthday today but i did find one pierre samuel dupont pierre dupont born january 15 1870 he died april 4th 1954 at 84 he's an american entrepreneur businessman philanthropist a member of the prominent dupont family I was going to ask if it was the same lineage. Right, he was president of Dupont d'Amours from 1915 to 1919. He served on the board of directors until the 40s. He managed General Motors. I didn't realize this. From 1915 to 1920, became GM's president in the 20s. He served on the board until the, until 1928. He was also a founding uh, member of the board of directors of the Empire State Building, which opened in 1931. He was good friends with the builder of the uh, Empire State Building. What was his name? Rad, Rad, uh, Radkos? The developer? Raskob, yeah. The designer, says. R-A-S-K-O-B, Raskob. Do you know him? Mm. You don't know? No. No? I don't think that jives with what I remember about that. Um, about the Empire Shri State Shreve, Building? Harriman, and Lamb was the architectural firm that did the Empire State Building. Yeah, they said that. That could have been the lead, though, the lead architect or the lead designer. Well, or maybe the maybe the money backer because these people are all involved with money. So uh, he was born in Wilmington, Delaware. He was the oldest son of uh, all the Duponts there. So you know the state of Delaware essentially owned by the Duponts. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, the I love that graphic you have of there, Delaware, America's other Hawaii. I, had, I was looking for a picture, and so if you're watching on the video, I mean, foolish. I mean, I've been to Hawaii. Delaware is by no means. <laughs> hey, anywhere but it's close, easier to get to Delaware yeah, than but Hawaii, any, right? Anywhere close to Hawaii is the first state, of course. Um, he and his brother developed the first American smokeless powder in 1892. So everyone knows DuPont's a big chemical company, amongst other things. And uh, the company really uh, did well in, after World War I because of a lot of the advancement in munitions. And uh, so then he, he ended up, uh, he went to MIT along with a bunch of his family members, and they've given millions of dollars to MIT. To this day, they still give give money to the uh, to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He opened his famous uh, estate, which uh, everybody, particularly in the holiday time, Longwood Gardens. Have you ever been there? No. <clears throat> it's beautiful. 
and it's open to the public, and it still is, and it's magnificent. He was a bachelor until age 45 when he married his cousin Alice. Okay. Hey, cousin Alice. It must, she must be two or three times removed, well, I right? was trying, you know, her, I, her Alice Boleyn, or Balin. How do you spell it? B-E-L-I-N. Mm. I think you did a good job with that. Married his cousin. Yeah. They had no children. <laughs> but um bump. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of money to schools. I just, you know, sometimes these, John and I are going to do a book on birthdays. This one won't make it, probably. <laughs> no, because your criteria for that. That would be something. That was like, you, you had a really fun criteria for a business birthday. But hey, you found one. I did find one. The other one, which we've done many times, that's why I didn't do it, is Aristotle Onassis. Oh, we don't need to do Onassis. No. We've done and so, but we, we need to find another one. There were a couple of others that came up that were obscure, but that was All right. We are going to take a super quick break here, our, my friends. And when we return, we're going to be talking to you about some advice that Steve Jobs had. Um, it's a tool he used to get through the days in life, and it's an interesting one. So we'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Hey, welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Thanks for joining us here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East. Although I will tell you, you time shifters, no, no, you're watching at one. <laughs> we appreciate when you do watch, and, and, and yeah. the show's been growing and growing, and we're going into our 13th year, and uh, we're delighted that you're here with us. So, to all our listeners, Tim is the numbers man. Tim numbers knows that you know the data on the show. Tim dives into the data. But it's not. But I, 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 as a throwaway comment, but not really. But we looked at, uh, and we've talked to other friends that do shows like live ours, and particularly live. people that came from live. Uh, serious, like, serious. like Garrett, yeah. And the amount of people now that just time shift, um, huge, huge. It's look at what you and I just did talking about the crown. We watch it as con at convenience. You want to watch one or two, you want to watch one. So it's the same with our show. The numbers initially, you're like, oh, what's going but on here? It, but then after a week and then a month, and then you oh, can yeah. see people catch up. So we appreciate it. Go to focusgroupradio.com and you can find all of our shows there as well as our podcast unbuttoned. So shop talk today, as John teased. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I liked it too. So Steve Jobs said that the most important tool he'd ever encountered, this was the most important tool he had ever encountered to make the most of his life. He said it helped him make the right choices the bigger they got. And... Well, he he's quoted and he says, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. So let's repeat, remembering that I'll be dead soon. So this is the, this is how he the mindset. And by the way, I don't disagree with this because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. And I believe we've all seen this with a sick relative or a friend, you know. So I wonder, do you think he said this when he was sick? No, he said this. This quote came before the he diagnosis. Yeah. Because he also says the concept of death can help guide us throughout our lives. Yep. Because he, he said when he was a teen, he came across this quote, if you live each day as if it were your last, someday you'll be right, or you'll most certainly be right. Yeah. And I, I had a friend I was talking to, and I remember him saying to me, 
He said, I used to think death was possible, and he's older now. He goes, but now it's probable. <laughs> you know, he, goes, I, he goes, growing up, I always thought death was possible. He said, but now, now, it's it's probable. Up, now that I'm in my 70s, it's, it's probable. But still in a P. It, it's still in the letter P. Possible, probable. probable. But, it, but, but his point on this, and I guess yeah. maybe similar to Jobs, is if you still have dreams, you still have possibility, there's still, yeah. still I don't want to say hope. Is hope the wrong word? It's just if you have time, how are you going to spend it? Is but it, it keeps you living. I mean, do you? So what was the question he said he posed? So ask yourself a tough question. If it was the last day of your life, would you want to do what you're about to do? So you're getting ready to go to work for the morning or get on the train. It's the last day of your life. Is this what you want to be doing? Now, putting a buzz light year up your butt. Yeah, <laughs> going to the hospital to get... A thermometer pulled out of your ear because you fell on the bed after putting it in. Um, there is a caveat because Steve Jobs stood in the mirror and asked himself that very question every morning for nearly two decades. Whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. The caveat there is too many days in a row. There will always be the no days. There will always be days you don't want to do what you're doing. But it wasn't a um, a monolithic, like, I have to be happy every single day and I have to love what I'm doing. He just used it as a barometer to say, if if the no's are adding up faster than the yeses, I'm on the wrong track. Directional. Yeah, direction. Uh, do you talk to yourself? Do I talk to myself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every day? Do you verbally talk to yourself or do you think to yourself? In other oh, words... Oh, I think to myself. So you don't stand in front of the mirror and says, today, uh, I will sell this house today. Oh, my God. You're quoting your most hated movie, movie in the, the world, worst movie on American the Beauty, Annette Benning. I will sell this house the today. And she's had the English patient. <laughs> well, I have to agree on the English right. patient. Talk, I... talk about talk about putting you to sleep. The um, but I wondered about this. So he says he stood in the mirror and then would ask himself, and I wondered if he verbalized it. Am I happy about what I'm going to do today? <laughs> I'm thinking of Stuart. Was it Stuart Smalley? Gosh darn it! I mean, people like me. People like me. Um, I'm sure with Jobs that he probably internalized it, and but but in, when you tell that, when you're telling the story or telling someone this technique, you probably say, "I ask myself this question in the mirror every day," and that's more theatrical. But see, I wouldn't want to know if it was my last day, because I think you then have too many expectations, which just leads to disappointment, right? If you have lots of expectations, oh, this day is my last day. I'm going to do all these great things and. You end up getting disappointed and you're dead. But I, but the meta idea from a career point of view or from a work point of view, uh, does it jive with you? Or if you had to like hold this up and say, you know. Well, and they, they gave the example, I think I wrote, about some people say follow your heart, right? So do right. you follow your heart. And he said the better, the tougher question is if this was the last day of your life or you're happy about what you're doing. So it's different than, oh, I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to do what I love. Correct. So he says this is really. A, oh, this a, is a little more. Yeah, a bit, a bit more direct. And I, I um. I remember when I had horrible, horrible back pain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember laying on the sofa one time, and I could not walk. I couldn't even stand to brush my teeth. And I actually said to myself, "If I die today, I'll be fine." Because you were because so unhappy, and you were in such pain. But, yeah. But I guess it's it's a certain amount of contentment because I, I think of this, and of course we have parents that are aging and friends that are aging. And you wonder about, um, because I said a lot of people think about what was my, not what was my worth, but what did I accomplish or what did I do? And, and am I happy with what I did? Are you, are you happy with, 
they say you never know what your life never unfolds the way you think it's going to. Nope. <clears throat> so true. And you and I, you know, you and I have actually been talking about this on a lot of our phone calls. It must be because it's the end of the year. It's the new year. It's resolutions. It's it does as much as I think the holidays bullshit the new year's itself because the second hand goes tick and it's over. <laughs> tick. Now it's the new day. Okay. It is a line in the sand, it's a stake in the ground, whatever metaphor you want to use. And, and I do use it to kind of look backward or look forward. You know, like I've changed my, my outlook this year is going to be positive. positivity. Positive. We'll see how long that lasts for, but I'm working on so it. So sweet, we're going to get diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that uh, that goes all the way back to us talking about the crown earlier in the show, about that episode where Prince Charles uh, or Prince Philip meets with the astronauts. It's just one of those things where you're like, look at what they've done. What have I done? And, and you and I have looked around. We've had people in our lives who've been extremely successful, people who have unfortunately had really terrible health outcomes at early age. You know, how do you even... And, and there's a certain amount of luck, which everybody, people don't take into... Don't I don't think they take it into account. account. One of our good friends, Tim Mahoney, used to always say the yeah. biggest ingredient of any successful career is luck. Luck or timing. Yeah, so I think I would, I, you know, I would, if I could pick or if I could go back, like share, turn back time. If I can turn back time. <laughs> turn back time. By the way, I do sidebar. I just saw her do it. She's still hoofing it. The, oh, yeah. the concert out in Vegas. They have a whole one on the YouTube. Uh, and, uh, but she's moving, but she's you know, not was as... It, was it the jukebox show we saw where it she was close. barely it's gets changed. in? Okay. It's changed, but she's... Anyway, anyway, if you go yeah, back so, in time... <laughs> so if you go back in time, this is why I was watching this. I thought I would like to be a musical entertainer like that. Oh, so, yeah. my God. You know, wait, wait, wait. If not that, you would have been a great DJ. Could have been a DJ, maybe, but... Or you could have been... will tell you, you could still do that. Yeah, you can, but I, I think that... You know what you would have been great at? You would have you know definitely been... Old man, DJ. <laughs> All right, we're going to do the Macarena. <laughs> That's not that long ago. Um, you would have actually been a great radio jock on a music channel. You know, like Larry the Duck or, or some, of, like some of these personalities where you could actually talk about the band, music, yeah. why it meant something. But, you know, so I think about that sort of stuff. So, and if I'm you went back in time, would what you I play did. piano? Well, yeah, and I was thinking of doing piano lessons. Here's my problem with the piano. <laughs> I look at people that play the piano, and then we've got these long fingers. My Slender. fingers are big. Slender fingers. But then I look at Elton John. He's like pudgy. You know, Elton John's fingers are like this. How now, he that now, but down. when he was Yellow Brick Road, that's, that's a function of age for him. Really? Yeah. But I watch these people do the boogie-woogie piano, and they're not looking, and I don't know how they're, not, how they're messing up. Not messing up. An amazing talent. Do you it's, play the piano? No. Nope. Practice, 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 practice. Did you ever practice. play? Nope. Did you try? Uh, I did this Lessons. one. Brum, bum, bum, brum. You know, you run your neck, knuckles over the keys. I was thinking of doing that. I don't know. I would I, like to learn to play the, one song. By the way, why not? What's stopping you? Nothing's stopping you, me. You're not going to be a piano player in a bar. You just do it. Like I want to sit and play good stuff. Well. Practice makes perfect. Okay. Uh, invite me to the concert five years from now. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. <laughs> it's just that. It's going to take a lot. You have to do your scales. You have to practice, you know. I've seen these things on, you can do them on the iPad, on the machine. Yeah, you, you want, you know what you want? You want a real piano. You don't want iPad. You want the keys. No, we have a real piano down at the beach. 
You have that ba- that grand piano, yeah, baby grand. Baby grand. It's yeah. a beautiful piano. So why don't you get it tuned up? And then once a well, weekend, there's a, there's a tutor there. I think maybe I thought I was going to have him come I in would, on Saturdays. I would do that. My God, ding, ding, You're, ding, you, ding. you know what? You'll have a ball. The time's going to fly by. I think you should do it. I really I can't do. read music, and I'm not interested in reading it. Now we got a couple problems. I want it numbered. I want to put numbers on there. One, two, oh, three, boy. four, five. It's hit seven, seven, two, two, one. I don't want to read this thing. All right. The, have the tutor call me first. <laughs> I'll tell him to just do whatever you say. But he has to learn how to read music, don't? And he's not going to learn the numbers. music. He wants numbers. I had an organ when I was a little kid, and it was numbered. Color-coded. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I five, six, five, three. Yellow, seven, nine, red, five, green, six, blue, five, red, yellow, blue, yellow, red, six, blue, six, yellow. Seven, <laughs> seven, seven, eight. All right, folks, we got to wrap it up. Oh. Here we are on the second week of January. The show is thoroughly off the rails. Hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. We did learn a lot. I feel like at the end of Pee Wee or something or Captain Kangaroo. What did we learn today? I learned a lot. Rewind and go to that thing that, that thing I did about what gets pulled out of people. Anyway. Uh, don't text and drive. Please arrive alive. And we're going to see you on next week's, next week's broadcast. So stay safe and healthy. And don't put things where they're not supposed to be. I thought you were going to see on Netflix. <laughs> Only. We could wish, right? <laughs> it's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.